You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. God designed him with a purpose and God established this in his life. He didn't have a say in whose son he would become, where he would be born, the times he would be born into. But God, knowing all things from the beginning to the end, created Moses for the purpose of delivering Israel from Egypt. And God prepares Moses through the circumstances of his life. And as it says in Romans 8, causing all things to work together for good in order to fulfill God's purposes. There's some truth to the saying that everything happens for a reason. Today on Worship Life Radio, Pastor Holland shares that God uses the details and circumstances of your life to prepare you for the things He wants you to do. As you study the life of Moses, you'll see how everything that Moses experienced helped prepare and shape him into someone who is capable of leading the Israelites. You'll learn that God has specific roles in mind for you, and He's preparing you for them even now. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Exodus chapter 2 as he begins his message, The Leader God Uses. We're going to begin in Exodus chapter 2 and we're going to go kind of bounce around between Exodus chapter 2 and Exodus chapter 3. But as Christians, we often rightly believe that our life with God began at the moment we were born again, that that's when we became aware of God working in our lives in a very tangible way. But if you remember, as we studied the life of Abraham and Jacob, we learned that God began working in their lives long before they had what we would call a born-again experience. Before they were aware that God was even working in their lives, God was working in their lives. God began speaking to Abraham in Genesis 12. But Abraham isn't declared righteous until Genesis 15, verse 6, when we read that he believed in the Lord. And, you know, it's often the case with each of us that have come to faith that there's a moment where we begin sensing God speaking to us. We may not recognize that it's God. We may not understand that it's God, but God is definitely speaking to us. God began speaking to Jacob in Genesis 28, but Jacob's name isn't changed, signifying a new birth, a new identity, him becoming a new creation until Genesis 32. And when we come to the life of Moses, we discover that God is working in Moses' life from the time he was an infant, from the time he was a baby. But Moses doesn't become aware of God until he's 80. So for those of you that uh, know some you know, older folks that haven't come to the Lord yet and you're worried about them, you know, just think about that. Moses became aware of God at 80. God can work at all ages at any time. And as I've said uh, last time, uh, it's been said of Moses that he f- spent the first 40 years of his life in Pharaoh's court becoming a somebody. He was educated by the best. He spent the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness, discovering he's a nobody. In essence, he was kind of seeing some of the terrain that he would later lead the nation of Israel through as they wandered through the wilderness. And then he spent the last 40 years of his life finding out how God can take a nobody and make somebody out of him. So if you're here today and you think, wow, I don't really have much to offer God. I don't know how God could use me. 
let God have a shot and let him show you how he could use you. Because what I've discovered about God is he doesn't wait until we're qualified before he uses us. He equips us along the way. He gives us what we need. And so God began preparing them long before they were conscious of God's presence working in their lives. And so it is true for all of us. After we come to Christ, we often look back over our lives and recognize all the moments that God was preparing us for what he created us to do. Don't you notice that? Just looking at the circumstances, the places you went to school, the neighborhoods you grew up with, the training you received and how God uses it all. David said that this preparation begins in the womb. In Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, he says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's wombs. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed, you knew what I would become. And in your book, they are all are, were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Paul said in this preparation began before we were even conceived. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And that word beforehand suggests that it was from the very foundation of the world. God knew that you would come into existence and prepared good works for you to do that we should walk in them. And so every person, when they are born, they are created with purpose. You're created with purpose. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works. And God has been preparing you to fulfill his purposes uh, for your life long before you were even aware of his presence. Long before. And part of our journey as believers is to discover what that purpose is as we follow Jesus, to discover our unique role in the body of Christ in his church. Now, one of the examples I like to use is that of a car. You know, because when you look at a car that's built, some cars are designed to go fast. Mine isn't. My car is designed to just make it. <laughs> some are designed to hold a lot of people. Some are designed to hold two people. Those are the fast cars. Some are designed to haul things. Some are big and some are small. And when I was growing up, you might have remembered those um, Volkswagen conversion kits, you know, where you could take the, you know, take your Volkswagen frame, you know, all, uh, your, the outside off and put like a fiberglass Porsche body on it, on the, on the frame of your, on your Volkswagen and make your Volkswagen look like a Porsche. But when you put it up against a real Porsche, you realize that it's still a VW bug. No matter what you put on the outside, it's, it's not a Porsche because it wasn't designed to be a Porsche. And each of us are created for a unique purpose. God designed us for what he desires to use us for. 
And some of the problems is when you find someone who thinks they're a Porsche, but they're actually a VW bug. And they try to dress them up to look like a Porsche, but they're still a VW bug. Some guys are built to be a Mack truck. Some guys are built to run fast. You know, and we're all designed differently, and it's the beauty of the body of Christ, the variety that God has created, and each one of us having our place that's uniquely uh, set apart for us. And it's God who puts us in the place that he made us. You can't take a test that will tell you what God made you to do. We went to a church where they had these spiritual gifts tests. And so you would take these spiritual gifts tests and they would tell you what your spiritual gifts were. And I always take them just to find out. It's kind of like now that Facebook thing where you find out what uh, Disney character you are. You know, and it's never what you think it, you know, you want it to be something else. So you just keep taking the test till you get the results you want. And, uh, and the thing is, is that um, I, I remember this person on our worship team, they came forward and they said, I took the test and I have all the gifts. And I said, really? You have all of them? Yes, I have all of them. Even the gift of miracles? Yes, I have the gift of miracles. Have you ever done a miracle? No, but I took the test. It told me I had this gift. You know, you can't go to school and become what God made you for. God himself has to reveal that to you just as he revealed it to Moses. God reveals it to us. And so I want to look at four characteristics that describe the call of God, the leader that God uses. And we'll look at the life of Moses to discover what that looks like and what it means for you and I today, how we can apply it into our lives. And the four characteristics that we see are the preparation that Moses goes through, his preparation, his passion, his humility, and the spiritual power that God gives him. Preparation, passion, humility, and spiritual power. And so first I want to look at Moses' unique preparation. Moses' preparation was unique to Moses. This was his school that God took him through. He was born to a family of Hebrew Levites. His mom and dad were both Levites. You know, which means, you know, later on, uh, as they would divide the, the responsibilities of the tribes, we would find out that the Levites were the priests. And so he came from a family of priests. Exodus 6, 16 through 20 tells us his parents were Amran and Jacobed. He was raised with an awareness of his Hebrew identity. His mother imparted that to him. And, and ladies, you know, that's our, you know, your role. It's to impart the identity of who your children are in Christ, to give that to them, to help them understand that they are, you know, that they're believers, that they're in a Christian home. And that's what we did in our home. We instilled in our children the idea that, hey, we're a Christian home. And so they know their identity. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. 
When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse, and we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. He was the firstborn son. The firstborn son, by birthright, becomes the leader of the family. And so, in essence, even by his birth order, God was giving a foreshadow of the fact that Moses would become the leader of a nation. It was all intentional. When Pharaoh issues the decree for all Hebrew males to be killed, Moses is hidden in a place where his mother knew he would be found by Pharaoh's daughter. And when he is found, his sister quickly asks Pharaoh's daughter if she would like her to find a Hebrew wet nurse to nurse the child, to which Pharaoh's daughter agrees, and she brings back the mother of Moses who raises Moses during the formative years of his life. So God established that in Moses' life. After Moses is weaned from his mother, he becomes the son of Pharaoh's daughter and the grandson of Pharaoh, and he receives the best education that the world has to offer. He was raised with incredible wealth. And all of these elements are things that were out of Moses' control. He didn't choose this for his life. God designed him with a purpose, and God established this in his life. He didn't have a say in whose son he would become, where he would be born, the times he would be born into. But God, knowing all things from the beginning to the end, created Moses for the purpose of delivering Israel from Egypt. And God prepares Moses through the circumstances of his life, And as it says in Romans 8, causing all things to work together for good in order to fulfill God's purposes. Even his 40 years in the wilderness as a shepherd taught him how to lead, how to feed, and how to care for a flock in preparation to lead the nation of Israel through the wilderness. And so it is with all of us. God uses the unique circumstances of our lives, good and bad, to prepare us for his purpose. You know, in my life, my dad was in the military. Every three to four years, uh, we moved. So every three to four years, I lost all my friends, and I had to learn how to get new friends, right? Which, if you're going to be a church planter, is a great skill to have. But how could I have known when I was going through that, that I would grow up to become a church planter. I didn't know that. And yet God did. And so I was born into a family where he knew that I would have to learn that skill of developing and creating community quickly and learning how to trust people you know, until they do something that makes you hate them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, kind of. And at any moment, we have the free will to deny the purposes of God. We can deny that process. We can stop that process. We can deny that process through disobedience, like King Saul did. 
you know, King Saul disobeyed the Lord and he ended that process. We have the free will to run from the purposes of God like Jonah did. Before I went to Atlanta this last week to teach at a conference, I was up in um, Los Angeles at uh, the what they call the NAM show. It's a music show for musicians. And uh, one of the vendors had a, a pre-NAM event, which I could go to. And when I was there, the Lord brought me to someone and uh, God told me about his life. So I told him, you know, hey, this is what your life's all about. And he looked at me and he says, I'm running from that. I'm trying to get away from that. I said, God sent me here to tell you, you can't run from that. He's trying to run from the purposes of God. We have the free will to frustrate the purposes of God like David did through his sin with Bathsheba. Or we can submit to God's purposes in our life and allow God to prepare us for the good works that he has for us to do. Just allow him to do it, to do the work. The second thing I want to look at is Moses' passion. And the thing I want you to notice here is that Moses had a passion for people. He had a passion for people. And that's one of the things that qualified him as a leader. In Exodus 2, we see one of the key characteristics of a leader in Moses. Moses was willing to get involved in people's lives. He was willing to get involved. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave and he has to act. He can't just sit by and watch people suffer and not do anything about it. He has to do something. But rather than rely on the wisdom of God, Moses reacts emotionally in his own power, in his own strength, and he kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. And he allowed his emotions, the heat of the moment, to cloud his judgment. The next day he sees two Hebrews fighting and he can't sit by and watch his brothers fighting each other. And he asks them, why are you hitting each other? Why are you beating each other up? And they respond by saying, who made you prince over us? Or who made you a judge over us? You know, who made you the boss? And then they said, are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And then Moses knew that his secret was out And he flees to Midian because Pharaoh now wants to kill him. But when he's in Midian, he sees a group of shepherds giving a group of shepherdesses a hard time. And he jumps in and he helps them. Hey, let these ladies water their flock. Quit giving them a hard time. And he jumped in. He had to do something about it. And often... Leaders act like leaders long before they're recognized. It's one of the reasons why we recognize them as leaders is because they act like it. And one of the characteristics I look for in leaders is a willingness to get involved in people's lives. Are they the kind of people that just sit by and let people suffer and not do anything about it? Or do they jump in the middle and help people walk through Difficult seasons with people. You know, when they see the needs in the church, do they let the pastor just take more and more and more on them until they're buried under it all? Or do they come alongside and say, hey, I'll take that off your shoulder. I'll take that off your shoulder. And I'm thankful that God has brought those leaders in our church. You know, when we first started and 
you know, there wasn't that kind of buy-in. There wasn't that kind of leadership in our church. So when people couldn't do something, they would call me up and say, hey, I'm not going to be there. Why don't you cover for me? Well, when you're covering for everybody, plus you got to preach and lead worship and everything else, it gets really difficult. And so after a while, I just said, well, if you can't do it, then we're just not going to, we're just going to go without. The people will have to go without. Well, they can't go without. You got to do something. It's your job. Like, what do you mean it's my job? It's your job. I'm called to do what I'm called to do. You're called to do what you're called to do. And we all together meet the needs of the body of Christ. Leaders are compelled by love for Jesus and love for people to get involved. They can't sit around and do nothing. They see the need and they're compelled by love to meet the need. They get involved. Because Moses gets involved, he's invited to meet the father of the shepherdesses. And we read in Exodus 2.21, Then Moses was content with to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. And I want to kind of focus on this phrase here that Moses was content to live with the man. That Moses was content to live with the father of those shepherdesses and he ends up marrying one of them. And in Exodus 3, when God visits Moses, we find Moses tending the flock of his father-in-law. He's taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And what's the point? The point is this. Before Moses could be entrusted with taking care of God's flock, which was the nation of Israel, he had to learn to be content taking care of another man's flock. That's part of the process of development. In my life, I served under Pastor Chuck, and I learned to be content taking care of his flock. I remember in one instance, I brought someone to, to sing uh, and who was kind of all tatted up and had piercings all over. And, and I, I uh, told them, you know, we, you got to cover up your tattoos. You got to remove your piercings, but they couldn't remove their tongue piercing. And so um, I get a call the next day from Pastor Chuck at my house. And uh, he goes, Alan, what's with the tongue piercing? And I just apologize. Oh, Chuck, I'm sorry. I told her. And, and she said she couldn't take it out. And he goes, not Calvary. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's this, these youth. It's these youth, you know. They just, they just got their ways. And, and then he said, um, Alan, who's going to love the people that have been faithful with me all these years? And I got the message. In other words, are you content to serve my flock? Are you content to serve them and love them? Not try to change them, not trying to make them into something, but just to love them. And I learned that lesson. I hope you enjoyed the program today. You know, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
You know, there's going to be a day when all of us are going to stand before Jesus, and only those who have surrendered their life to Him will spend eternity with Him. Don't you want to be part of those that spend eternity with Jesus in heaven? You can pray this simple prayer and mean it with all your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I confess that you have raised from the dead. Forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. If you've prayed that prayer, then I can say with assurance that you will be saved on that day. Thanks for tuning in today to Worship Life Radio. We're so glad you were able to join us for a time of Bible study, and we pray it's been a blessing to you. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Holland, you can find them online at calvarysanclemente.org. There, you'll also learn about Calvary San Clemente, the church behind this ministry. We'd love for you to join us for worship this weekend, either in person or online. Find all the information you need on our website. Again, that's calvarysanclemente.org. As we wrap up today's message, we'd like to offer an opportunity for you to partner with us in spreading the good news of the gospel. Would you join us in praying for those listening with you to Pastor Holland's message? Pray for ears to be open and hearts to be turned toward the truth and love of Jesus, and pray for salvation to be found by many. Would you pray too about supporting the ministry of Worship Life Radio through financial giving? We use every amount given, no matter the size, for this program and expanding its reach. Thanks for praying about this. If you're ready to give or would like more information, visit calvarysanclemente.org. How can we be praying for you? It's our honor to encourage and pray for you, so please connect with us. You can email at info at calvarysanclemente.org or call us 949-228-9117. Again, that's 949-228-9117. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Worship Life Radio. Have you ever wondered what it means to be saved? What are you saved from? Is salvation only about going to heaven? Pastor Holland's message series, So Great a Salvation, will answer these questions and help you discover the rich, abundant life salvation brings. Order your personal copy of So Great a Salvation at worshipliferadio.com.